Hi, this is William Ramsey. Welcome to William Ramsey Investigates. On tonight's show, I have a returning guest, one of my favorite guests. Her name is Roberta Glass. She runs the True Crime Report on YouTube. So go check that out. She has uh, tons of great content there. But we're going to talk about something we talked about last year in 2020. And it's interesting that this popped up again. So there was a uh, documentary titled Alan. Ow! Um, and, and we talked last year um, about the same subject, but not with this much detail. It was a four-part series on HBO, and uh, so we're going to talk about that tonight. So, Roberta Glass, are you there? Yes, very uh, well, excited to talk awesome. about this, yeah. Cool. So, I mean, it was pretty interesting, four parts. It was very in-depth, a lot of first-person statements by... Mia Farrow, I learned a lot about her family and Dylan Farrow and just this very kind of complex, you know, kind of my, my, yeah, my thoughts were like, if you think your family is dysfunctional, you can watch this, but it was really something else. So what were your kind of first impressions? Well, I was disappointed in some ways because they took, and I don't know if it really matters, but as I was disappointed in what they left out of Mia Farrow's background, of Mia Farrow and Woody Allen together. And so it sort of set up this dichotomy where Mia Farrow is wonderful and terrific and the best mother, best person in the world. She was just a little too naive. And Woody Allen is this horrible person, terrible person, you know? And what it left out is, I mean, obviously, as someone, you know, I was friends with Dory Previn, which Mia Farrow broke up that marriage. I think she says in this that she, that the, that Andre and Dory Previn's marriage was breaking up. It was not breaking up. They were a partnership. <laughs> you know, they were writing right. partners. He did the music. She wrote the lyrics. I mean, they were really a, a formidable couple. And she broke that up. Um, they also don't talk about Christine Engelhart, who talks, who has the, pretty much the whole second, a lot of time in the second episode of this series, that she was brought into a threesome with Mia Farrow and Woody Allen. And I think that's important detail, not to make Mia Farrow an enemy, it doesn't, and it doesn't suggest that she coached her daughter or anything, but it just adds some kind of flavor into that you know, uh, Mia Farrow was not enough for Woody Allen. He needed to get an underage partner and bring it into this threesome. So right, and she was, was with, left out. Yeah, but Engelhart was with uh, Epstein before Allen, right? So she was like an underage, tra I don't know if she was trafficked, but she had a relationship with Epstein too before Allen, right? 16. So when did, when right. did she meet Epstein? I don't know. I, I got to look at my facts, but I know that she had a long relationship with Epstein. Right. And she talked about it. And we were, and you, and you, what you brought up just before we started uh, recording is that they didn't bring up Woody Allen's relationship with Epstein. Right. And Woody Allen's not someone who has a lot of friends, um, you know, and he seems to have people who do things for him, who, who serve a purpose. So what would, uh, Epstein's purpose be in Woody Allen's life if it were not to supply him with underage women, girls. Sorry, girls. I don't know. I don't. I, what, what else would it be? But I mean, that was like the interesting thing about the documentaries. Is it showed, I think, in the second part, how many 
how many of his storylines he's making a movie every year, right? How many mm-hmm. of his storylines are about him and you know an underage or young kind of naive girl, and then he twists their kind of uh, sexuality towards him, like they're the ones that are pushing him for you know are the more dominant or aggressively sexual. I thought that right. was, I think that they, was interesting. They can't resist this small nebbish. It, Neurotic. <laughs> New York intellectual. Yeah. He's such a sex symbol. Um, which, I mean, it's kind of funny that he did make himself kind of like this male, I don't even want to call it sex symbol, but leading man, you know, and that you can do that when you write your own movies and direct your own movies. But the other thing that I think is important when you leave out <sighs> Mia Farrow's the kind of, you know, when you look at her family and she's adopting all these kids, you know, and there's, and she even makes these admissions that are very telling. Like Woody Allen said that he would love a, uh, our baby. If it, you know, would love our baby if it was a little blonde girl. So I went out and adopted one thinking he would love it and love me more. Like she, it was just a very telling admission that these babies perform and these children fulfill needs in her, you know, deeply yeah. as prime, primal motivation for, you know. But the reason why I bring this up, so, you know, Mia Farrow is not being accused of sexually abusing her children. She's being accused of uh, physically and emotionally abusing uh her kids by Moses, but that came out way later and how reliable it is. I, I don't know. It could, you know, both can be true. They both can be terrible people and Woody Allen can still be, you know, still have molested and abused Dylan. But the reason that this narrative on Woody Allen's side stuck so much with the public is that there is a, a great deal of the public that looks at Mia Farrow and thinks that there's something very, very wrong with her. That's why it wasn't just his incredible PR team that right. made Woody Allen's narrative stick so well and, and cemented it so deeply in the, you know, the public's consciousness is it's that something, you know, you look at Mia Farrow and she, you know, she seems, and you know, she's admitting in this that she hit, Sunyi, and in court she admitted she pummeled her, you know, arms and it hit her face. It was really like an, an attack. Is that the first time it happened? I don't know. But it, you know, it seemed like it made sense. But when you see Woody, what makes me feel that Woody Allen is guilty has nothing to do with what Mia Farrow says. And even so much so, Dylan, it's what comes out of Woody Allen's own mouth. Yeah. You know, he won't take a lie detector test. Now, Woody Allen supporters just deny all this. It's, you know, well, they're going to say that, I guess, the lead investigator in Connecticut is lying. Fine. Every, I mean, basically, the Woody Allen supporters, their narrative is everybody's lying but Woody Allen. But, you know, he still doesn't, he still, this many years later, won't say where he was for those 20 minutes. Right. And I mean, just to go back and get kind of more of the details, the the kind of assault that took place on Dylan happened after he had had or been revealed to have had a relationship with Soon Yi. So he right. had it already happened. And then he visited Mia Farrow's place in Connecticut without Mia Farrow, with mm-hmm. like, which is even weirder 
with the kids there, and then the, the, they're missing for 20 minutes, and that's when the kind of that's when Dylan says the assault. But even the, the TV, like the show, kind of indicated to me that he was in the way it kind of came across to me was, and this is my opinion, but there was other things going on also that he was with her and there were inappropriate touchings and all kinds of weird stuff. Like he I was think in, I, they, I mean, of course, Woody Allen supporters deny this, but it's in the, in the court papers as statement of fact that he was in therapy. I think it was with Dr. Coates, who was also, you know, the, <laughs> the child's therapist, it seems like um, at one point um, that he was in therapy for his inappropriate relationship with Dylan. Right. So, I and mean, there was like he, he was sticking his thumb in her mouth, like weird stuff. Right. Yeah, hand between her. Yeah, it was bad. Like people were seeing weird stuff, and then the therapist reported it. Right? Didn't the therapist report it to? No, the she took the the child. The a therapist in her building noticed Woody Allen's. Uh, greeting Dylan and she thought something was very wrong about the way he approached the child and dealt with the child but uh, the way that this got reported is that uh, Mia Farrow took Dylan to a pediatrician and the pediatrician by law in Connecticut has to report you know sexual abuse so that's how it got to the police but the, you know it, it's just it's just um you know, it's just wild to watch him say things like, if I wanted to be a pedophile, I could have, you know, gotten custody and molested them as often as I wanted. I mean, is that what he's, is, is that where he's going with that? It almost like he was said that, but that was also another weird element of the whole narrative or saga is that he was never really married to Mia Farrow, but he went after custody, right? So he... Right. Like went for the custody, and then um, mm-hmm. that was also another thing. So he was like somebody who's saying, like, I don't want a kid. I don't want this. Okay, then I'm going for custody after that. And then also he was very cold-blooded. Like they had recordings of him with her where mm-hmm. he was just like like a lizard, man, in my opinion. He was just, well, you'll have to wait in court. You'll just have to do this, blah, blah. Just tell me where, and he says, I'm not going to be on the cover of Newsweek <laughs> and Time. And then I remember those covers. And there he was. And um, really utilized the, the media. The, the real mystery of this is what happened in New York with that investigation. Right. And what happened at Yale University. Why did, do- and what's in Dr. Leventhal's deposition? Like, none of them showed up. At- you know, they, he got this exonerating report from Yale University saying that Dylan uh, can't tell fiction from fantasy, uh, fact right. from fantasy. And, um, and it was given directly to him, which I thought seemed very odd, but maybe yeah, that's the totally way it's unethical. Done. Yeah, that seems very unethical to me. And there he is right away willing to give a, you know, a press conference. And he somehow seemed very shocked by the news, seemed prepared for it. And was money given to Yale University? Was pressure put on them? Why didn't they show up in court? What's in Dr. Leventhal's deposition? That's what I want to know. And the other thing that's very interesting is the way that he was written about in the New York um, investigation. 
they said that they called him a big fish or a big wig. I can't remember the exact phrase that we have to deal with these kind of investigations differently. Paul Williams was fired. The right. Who believed Dylan. So it made me realize that Woody Allen's movies are really advertisements for New York City. I, I don't right. think that's out to make advertise, but they're love letters to New York City. And he's, and the way he's a royalty here, they don't want to bring him down. New York City doesn't want to bring him down. That's a valuable asset to New York. Right. And it is also weird that they interviewed Dylan times. So it's almost like they're traumatizing her again. In the new head, like how many times do you have to interview? I think Paul Williams said, like, there's a problem here doing this over. And right. Over. Like, I think Paul Williams said there was enough for, yeah. yeah, there was enough for a criminal investigation. So then he got sacked and he was like a lauded caseworker. So people, so uh, to me, like when I was reading that, I'm like, there's something going on behind the curtains, you know? That's kind of what I was thinking. Did you get that impression? Well, I had a more. I mean, did you, are you talking about sort of like a pedophile underground protecting was him type more thing? More of like he put he put people in place to influence outcomes is kind of my or or you know people behind the scenes pulled strings to get the desired outcome. That's the way I, I, I thought that with the Yale especially New York City, though you know where I I've lived for decades now, really treats these people especially people who make films like that. I, I can see just his his persona having such heavy weight without any kind of money being exchanged or influence. But Yale, I thought, who, what donations were given, what influence. And also Woody Allen has like this incredible list of uh, medical people that he employs. He has a medical doctor for practically every part of the body and psychiatrists. And how deep does that go? You know, uh, how much does that, I was just curious as to whether he knew someone who knew someone at Yale or if it was a donation or, or it, or if they just really wanted to squash it and just put it away. Didn't want to be the people responsible. But the fact that they didn't, none of them showed up in court is, is seem, you know, I, I take the same opinion as the judge did. It certainly makes the report a little bit more suspect. Right. But I mean, even the prosecutor said he thought there was enough material to take it to court, but he didn't want a seven year old girl to, you know, be the one that it was all going to ride upon. Right. So, the, yeah, Connecticut's, yeah. Yeah, Connecticut, what was yeah. it? Yeah, Mako. <clears throat> yeah, so there's a lot in there. And, uh, yeah, I just I just thought that, uh, I mean, I thought that she, I from listening to her, what would you think about Dylan? And she kind of was weaved through the entire show. But I kind of got the impression that she was trying to, like, detach her from her her child persona, like she dyed her hair red. She wore kind of orange lipstick. Did you kind of get that feel? Get that impression? She she looks troubled to me. You know, I don't warm to any of the pharaohs. You know, uh, I and I I hate to see someone in pain. I I sympathize. I feel badly for her. What she's been through is terrible, but. And I also sympathize, you know, she kind of lost out on the parent lottery. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. To answer your question, I just, I saw a troubled person. Do I believe her? Yes, I do believe her. But, 
do I warm to her? Do I relate to the pharaohs? No, I don't. And I, and I think, I, I wish that the filmmakers hadn't gotten so kind of enmeshed in the pharaoh world because it became this kind of just glowing, you know, all, and did you think, I thought it was also very weird at the end, the last episode where after all this happens, all the, all this upset in the family, they leave out Mia Farrow changing all the kids' names and all the weird things that happened. And then she's got more kids. <laughs> you know, all of a sudden more kids pop up. She's adopted more kids. Like when is this child adopting ever going to end? Like if she had this many cats, people would be like, you know, she's a hoarder. But because she's a, uh, because they're, pe because they're human beings, she's uh, Mother Teresa. I, I find it so disturbing. Same with Angelina Jolie, these kind of empty women who just can just never fill the hole of whatever's wrong with them with kids, you know. All right, are you still there? Yeah. <laughs> Internet just blocks out sometimes, so that's 90 seconds of emptiness. Sorry, so you were talking about um, kind of her, about Dylan Farrow, and you weren't warm to the family. I just, no, I don't warm to anyone in the family, including Ronan. Um, interesting. But it, I, I think it's very interesting the way Woody Allen defenders are making this about Mia being a terrible... and. You know, Mia's not, doesn't have to answer these questions. Woody Allen does, you know. I, it, I I think it has to, and I was sorry that the documentary took that position of Mia Farrow being so great, Woody, because it doesn't really, I wish we got a more, more um, less biased view, you know. And when you imagine in, in the pharaohs and and that and their friends and their family, you're going to like them and you're going to want to present them well. Um, but I, I don't think it does any favors to the to basically the argument that's being happening because it's Mia Farrow's horrible, but they don't have any evidence that she coached her kid. That's what they right. need. Right. Uh, you know, who's saying she coached her? Who's when? How? You know. And yeah, that why was the did public, she make this up? That was a PR, right? Right. No, I, that's, I like, what, that's what her Woody Allen's defenders are saying, is that Mia, there's, you know, this was all made up to punish Woody Allen. And, you know, the amount of people who would have to be lying, the babysitters, right. you know, the investigators, Woody Allen, you know, and basically they just deny all the evidence. And the, the really odd stuff is that he won't... Wouldn't take a polygraph. His hair was found in the attic. He said, I'm too claustrophobic to ever be in that attic. And then when they found his hair in there, they said, oh, maybe I did poke. He said, maybe I did poke my head around once or twice. Right. Changing his story. Luring up. Trying to get custody of the kids. Giving very strange interviews. Attacking Mia Farrow instead of answering the questions he needs to answer. You know. They've my done a favorite, very good job. They've yeah, my favorite. Yeah, my favorite was they kind of portrayed her as a woman scorned, you know, in the public. Right. And she was bizarre. I think the phrase they used was bizarre, 
concoctions mm-hmm. of a woman scorned, which hell hath no fury like a woman scorned. So they're referencing Shakespeare in people's minds. And mm-hmm. uh, I, didn't, I didn't see that. I mean, the real thing that happened was that broke them apart permanently was that Woody Allen was having sex with Soon Yi, possibly when she was underage, right? Before she yes. went to college. And, you know, last time we talked about this, um, a lot of, not you know, a few women said to me, thank you for bringing up something that they felt was very important, which is what I said was that, you know, when you're a, a little girl and these, it doesn't matter that Woody Allen didn't adopt Sunyi, wasn't the adopted father. He was introduced to her as a father figure. And that's very destructive to insert uh to to sexually prey on her and groom her and you know or have a relationship however Woody Allen defenders want to fall in love however they want to put it you know right. it's very destructive um and psychologically damaging and inconsiderate of what her what would happen to her it's all about what he wants and what I said last time we talked is that every woman remembers a time when someone in that kind of position of authority sexualized them. And it was very, it's a very disturbing moment in a girl's, you know, experience. And I don't think Woody Allen defenders are getting that. It doesn't matter that he didn't adopt her officially. He was introduced to her as a father figure. Even if he was you know, introduced as, you know, and I put teachers in the same category, uncles, close family, friends, you know, it's all very, very destructive. And so, you know, I think what the Sunni relationship shows is that he doesn't care what damage he causes. He wants what he wants. And that's certainly the mindset of a pedophile. And isn't that what uh, Dylan said? Is like when she found out about Sue Nye, she was like, I think she said, I just found out it wasn't just me, right? Mm-hmm. So that he was, pro- I mean, there's probably a lot more to those, to both of those stories, in my opinion. So, you know, the Sue Nye stuff is uh, pretty disturbing. I mean, I think they said in the in part two, they said that there was an open question when the started whether she was still in high school or not because I think they said he was calling her in high school or something like that or in Connecticut. Do you remember that? I know he was calling her at summer camp, but that was way later, so much so that she had to leave her camp counselor position. I mean, why, I think we talked, why is a middle-aged man you'd want to date a camp counselor? But I know that the uh, maids told stories that they found condoms in the trash and uh, stained sheets after Sunyi left when she was in high school from her visits to his apartment from when she was in high school, she would sneak over. So it makes, uh, how much of this do you think was done to punish Mia Farrow? A lot. Don't you think like he probably didn't want her to be talking or having any, any, you know, motherly defensive of her children. Don't you think that 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 was part of it? Kind of, in, yeah, I got the vindictiveness. I thought was there definitely. Definitely, I think a lot of this was done to hurt her, break her children, take her children away, 
punish her. I think and it's shocking that that marriage has lasted so long between Sunny and Woody Allen. And I think that, I mean, she he's, has a very high IQ. From what I hear, she has a pretty low IQ. Um, he's very worldly. She's not. I mean, what is what do they have in common besides their hatred of Mia Farrow at this point? Is, I, I, mean, I was surprised that they did 13 films together, that Alan and Farrow. So she was definitely, uh, you know, I think her part of her relationship with Alan was getting these roles, right? Constantly being in his movies and stuff like that. But I think right. she said over time he was eroding her self-esteem, kind of like uh, their power dynamic. He was in control. You can see that. I mean, he has, uh, it really reminds you how much money Woody Allen has. And also, uh, um, gosh, uh, did you? And she also said that she was blacklisted in in right. America from working. Now, I, I kind of my eyebrow raised a little that uh, was she blacklisted or was she a middle aged actress where there are such few parts? It might have been. I mean, the right. So there you go back to her telling the story, right? So she's mm -hmm. like countering with her narrative in this. And it makes me wonder how this whole documentary series got started. Was it on her behalf? Was she trying to find the director the directors mm -hmm. and the producers come and find her? Did you ever find anything about that? Because it seemed like Dylan and uh, Mia Farrow were more than willing to talk about everything in detail. Right. From the way that, who knows if it's true or not, the way the directors tell it is that they begged them, asked them, had to really work on them to participate. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know. And what do you think about Moses and um, Woody Allen not participating? They, right, they say they were question. asked. I don't know. I think, uh, I think it's interesting that he like, of, of Alan for whatever reason. I don't know. But I thought it was interesting that they, they pulled these snippets of his audiobook apropos of nothing. And, uh, you know, that was his whole that was his whole approach of like how he was the father when according to other observers, he wasn't. He was just what? kind of the guy who showed up. Yeah, it, it just, I, I had some you know, when you're dating someone and you have seven kids you go out on a couple dates and the guy said, I have no interest in kids and you have seven kids. Don't you cut it off and say, I don't want this to go any further. Not, uh, not like how many kids, did, how many kids does she have total? Cause at that time she had seven and then they added more and more. Right. Right. I so, think I have you know. a list of what the 14 or 15 kids oh, she has at all together. Right. Yeah. It's, it, it's intense. And yeah. And then Dershowitz shows up too, so they got another guy who's embroiled with Epstein is in there making commentaries. I think still, in, I think they're still. He's still Dershowitz is still in court with uh, Virginia Dufresne. I don't know what the update on that case is. I don't either, you know. But it, it's just, I thought, you know, wow. If only she knew. <laughs> if only she knew. And you wonder if he was like a double agent. <laughs> You know, and that whole thing was, did he represent her correctly? Uh, was he, did he have any kind of friendship with Woody Allen at that time um, through Epstein? 
it's, it'd be interesting to I know. mean it seems like it, it seems like Alan was over at Epstein's place a lot. There's pictures of them together in Alan's mm-hmm. with Sunni. And same yeah. with Dershowitz. I mean, according to other observers, Dershowitz was in and out of that mansion on, what is it, the Upper East Side? Is that right? He's up, yeah, he was the Upper East Side, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, it's a smaller smaller world. And they brought up Polanski, Jackson, Cosby, all these other kind of uh, abusers, too. So, it's, uh, it's kind of interesting. Cat- I'm sorry. Have oh, you heard ahead. Kathy Griffin tell the story of when she met Woody Allen? No. Uh, what, what's the story? <laughs> the story is that he doesn't know any sort of current celebrities that she's trying to, I guess she got seated next to him at some sort of dinner party. Mm-hmm. And the one celebrity that he knew was Miley Cyrus. And he said he never missed an episode of Hannah Montana. <laughs> because he said she just has something. And it's sad to see what's happened. So he's watching, you know. Weird, was it Nickelodeon right. or something? Yeah. yeah. And then he said, well, and I, I, right now I'm watching my friend Bill Cosby get railroaded. That's what he said to her. That's- and he hints, you can see he's starting to go there in his book talking about Weinstein. And he kind of cuts it short. It looks like he's going to complain that he got a raw deal and he kind of cuts it short and finesses it. The audio part that they use in the uh, documentary. Right. But they had other kind of celebrities come out in defense of uh, Woody Allen and then some gave their money back. Right. I mean, right. there definitely were. And they, I think it was interesting when um, Ronan brought up the transactional access journalism theme about how Allen kind of manipulated and his, I think his PR person was Leslie Dart, how they kind of expected certain things in, you know, certain journalism access with uh, strings attached. Did you kind of get that impression? Yes. And we saw that with Bill Cosby, speaking of Bill Cosby, where he said, if you want to be seen as a serious journalist, you better scuttle this interview where I'm confronted with these allegations. And he also gave a story of his daughter, in exchange for a story about him um, assaulting women to be, you know, buried. buried. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. it's it seems like it's common, common thing in Hollywood. Hollywood, yeah. Never really get to the truth. That, that's why so much of this stuff gets put. I mean, you can actually bring up the West Memphis Three. How few people bring that up? And real journalists. So you can kind of a broader you know, landscape that this is going on, not just Alan, but all kinds of other people too. And the, oh, well, I also had to, when Nicholas Kristoff of the New York Times <laughs> came up in the documentary of uh, saying that I was happy to give Dylan a voice, I was happy to give this victim a voice. This is the same Nicholas Kristoff, and I tweeted this, who has been trying to free Kevin Cooper, this rapist murderer killed a whole family in California that also uh, Kim Kardashian is trying to get out. Right. Yeah, I remember that. He's been writing love letter pieces and about, it starts talking about the media and fact checking and, you know, the whole theme of what Woody Allen said, the whole theme of the documentary, it doesn't matter what's true, it matters what's believed. 
And I thought, wow, that's really interesting because certainly that's what Nicholas Kristof is doing with that Kevin Cooper case. He has written so many articles leaving out most of the evidence and pulling, you know, and really obscuring the truth of that story in order to free a, a, a multi, you know, <laughs> killer. Right. But didn't, they, didn't the appeal say that there was no chance anybody else could have done the, the crime, if I remember correct? He was, wasn't Cooper in like an abandoned house or something like that? Right. He broke out of prison. I don't know this case as well as I know others, but he broke out of prison, uh, went to a family's house, murdered the whole family. And I think there was a kid's, one of the smaller um, male children lived. And then they wanted to test all the, and then stole their car, escaped. Right. So he was already on the run from prison when this happened. Right, I remember he that. escaped from prison, killed all these people in Chino Hills, California. And then they tested his DNA and they purposely, as the Innocence Project does, test things that weren't related to the scene of the crime or weren't argued, weren't part of the prosecution's argument. So they were things that they thought they would, might turn up other people's DNA, but they failed because it all came back with his DNA on it. So miraculously, that almost never works like that. And then she's pictured with Kardashian, right? Smiling. Hugging him. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oy. So it's an interesting mix of all these stories under this story. So then True, you know, there's, yeah. there's Alan Dershowitz, there's, there's Nicholas Kristoff, there's all these people. And each of those people have a story of their own. You know, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that they kind of brought out uh, the, film, the female film critics, really, to try to give some context to Alan and his movies and what it was like to kind of now looking at his movies in retrospect after all of these events. You know, I thought that was uh, like it seems like Woody Allen is a, nobody. They, 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 there was all these up and coming actors and actresses that wanted to work with him. It doesn't seem it seems like that's dried up. Do you think that that's true? He's over. This is the death nail in his career. This documentary, it's over for him. It's over. It's at least in America. Maybe in Europe, he'll have some kind of career, but not in America anymore. It's yeah, over. Yeah, didn't he say? Didn't they say his most recent film was distributed in France, but not in the U.S.? Yes, but he doesn't have a chance of having a comeback. No, his 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 whole reputation is ruined, um, as it should be, you know. But he will always have, like Michael Jackson has, these sort of super fan male super fans, and in this case, they're kind of these skeptic guys who like to call themselves skeptics. without being very skeptical themselves and they will do his bidding they have a million blogs a million youtube videos they're making with you know a great deal of views and they will continue to try to spin this as much as they can by denying all the evidence and mainly trying to put the focus on mia farrow she would uh, dylan was coached methodically that was the theme that they were always trying to impress upon her i think that's why that those home movies were oft repeated in the documentaries because they were trying to show that Barrow was just kind of asking Dylan questions, not trying to coach her. What did you think of those clips? I mean, I, I had an uncomfortable feeling watching the entire thing because it was so 
like you said, I just felt like there was a lack of objectivity. But um, I, I felt though I felt like as a the juror, um, they were sold as as the big piece of evidence. To me, they're very clippy and hard to tell what happened before or after. I certainly believed her when she was talking, but I think I found much more. I mean, what convinces me again is is what comes out of Woody Allen's mouth and, and his actions. It's it, not so much. It's, you know, it, it yes. Yes. I, I believe her. Uh, if evidence came out that she was coached, you know, fine. But I, you know, I, I don't think it doesn't look coached certainly from those clips that it's hard to tell what's, what's going on. I right. think well, her, her new husband doesn't, didn't seem to believe that she was coached. Oh, I don't believe she was. I don't believe she was coached, but it's just hard to tell in those clips. They're very, you know, it's very hard to get a child. And the other problem with the coaching story is that I guess, you know, she'd have no memory of being coached and then it would become her own. It's just hard to say. No one saw it happening. It's just, you know, all the other, every piece sort of adds up. Not every piece, but a lot of the pieces. Enough of the puzzle so we can see the picture in this. That he was, how it happened, how it sort of built up, these kind of resentments. What I'd like to know is what was going on in Mia Farrow and Woody Allen's relationship. Um, was it anything or was it just just spite, pure spite, to just cause this much destruction and this much upset. And he seems to like doing it. There seems to be some pleasure in, 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 in tearing and tearing her down and tearing the family down. Yeah. I got that feeling too, like a little thrill, mm -hmm. like he was getting kind of a dark satisfaction or something out of that. Like he, I mean, he's a famous guy. He could probably, he has money. I think I looked at his, he's like worth $140 million. Wow. Yeah. So, he could probably have paid Epstein or whatever for whatever thrills that he wanted mm-hmm. and not have to worry about it. So then there's something else involved when it's like you're a predator on your own girlfriend's kids. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely some the, kind of deep dysfunction. One thing, I, one thing I was glad that the documentary did, cause I read, uh, Moses's blog, several of his posts, especially the the very famous blog that he wrote about his mother and that the train set didn't exist and that he watched his sister the whole day. And I was very glad that they could debunk those things because that was absurd to say that the train set didn't exist. Those kind of details are really important. And I do not think that the Connecticut investigators would go up to that room and find those details missing and just say, okay, you know, that would be a major red flag. Right. So, yeah. I mean, there was a criminal investigation, right? So, I mean, all that stuff, there was weird stuff too. Like why would he make this kind of like public statement at the Plaza hotel? Like, Oh, I'm going to go give a, you know, public hearing here. And I thought that was odd too. Like why wouldn't he just, you know, do something at his house, just somewhere else. It's, it's almost like a kind of, uh, unnecessarily ornate, you know, public statement. Did you get any, any feel for that from him, from him? 
I, I, what I, I just, get, I, when, I mean, the plaza is a beloved New York, <laughs> at the time, New York institution. And he's reminding everyone that he's part of that beloved, he's also a beloved New, part of a New York institution himself. I don't know. That's right, how, so that's how I make sense, that. Right? right? I, of course, I'm going to be, it's just one of the most elegant, amazing buildings right on Central Park. You know, he's part of that. I don't, I, I think that has a lot to do with, um, why New York was so quick to, like I said, but the other odd thing was that when the psychiatrist said, who's dealing with Woody Allen and his odd obsession with Dylan says that his behavior isn't sexual. It can be perceived by the child as sexual, but it isn't sexual. Yeah. That doesn't. So what, here's my question, William Ramsey, what's the difference with a child being subjected to behavior that they perceive as sexual but isn't versus a child being subjected to behavior and I would guess that would go along with and actions. I'm gonna add that to the first as well. That is sexual. Do you know what I mean? Like what's the difference in the child's mind, whether it is or not? If I mean if the child perceives it that way, isn't it equally as damaging? Yeah, I would say so. Definitely. I got I, I got to wrap this up. My cat's really going crazy. Do you have I'm anything sorry. you'd like to add? No, it's not. Well, I'm sorry to, to break this off, but it's kind of like a minor emergency. Where can people <laughs> go see go um, see you? It's on Roberta Glass True Crime Report on YouTube, right? And then also you have your podcast, right? True Crime. Yeah, I'm on YouTube. I'm on iTunes. Uh, cast box everywhere you can find That's a well. podcast. Awesome. I'm there. Thanks, Glass. Thank you so much. And thank you. Hope you're okay. I'm fine. The cat, not so much. I gotta go. All right, take Bye. care. Thanks so much. Bye.